Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I am Taylor Blackwood and this is my show. Today I'm coming at y'all with an election episode. We got to talk about the election. It is on the tip of everyone's tongue. It is dominating the news cycle and we're going to cover it too. I'm excited to chat with you guys about this. What a crazy time. I mean, as if 2020 couldn't be any weirder. The fact that it's an election year is just totally crazy. And this was a totally bizarre election. I mean, what a crazy swing of things. In the weeks leading up to this, and I'm going to cover this later in the podcast, but in the weeks leading up to this, everyone thought it was like 100% locked in to be a Democratic uh, landslide victory. That's what the pollsters were telling us. That's what the media was covering. Uh, there were some dissenting voices, which I'm going to cover later, but large, by and large, this has been a shocking election that it's been uh, this close and it's really come down to the hair in a couple undecided states. I guess coronavirus is a little bit of a complication, but things went surprisingly smoothly despite that. I didn't see a whole lot of issues about, you know, people being crowded in or not voting. There was a huge early vote compared to other elections. I think we we had like, first of all, we had unprecedented turnout. I think there were more total votes cast in this election than any other election in American history, which is great. Great to see people mobilize. That's one bright spot in this thing, I guess. We're looking for them. We're looking for bright spots because we don't have too many this year. But there's a there's one bright spot for you, right? So we had great turnout. Uh, we had lots of early voting, lots of mail-in voting. That was how I voted. I did an early ballot and then I went and dropped it off in person. My girlfriend wanted to drop it off in person because she's a little skeptical of the mail side of it. You know, not unhealthily so. You, know, you can track your ballots and she was okay with that. But it was just kind of fun for us to go to a polling station and drop it, which took all of two seconds. Uh, there's one like two minutes away from my house and you literally just walk in, drop it in. You know, they make sure it's signed. You drop it in and it's gone. Interesting side note for you guys, just a little anecdote. Uh, when I went to go check my ballot status, which I encourage all of you guys to do, you can type in your last name and your voters, voter ID number if you have it or else there's other ways to search for it. But you can see the status of your vote. And I saw that mine was counted, but I also saw that I had a double registration, that there was another vote, a ballot out there floating around for me that was, I guess, not filled out or not counted. So kind of an eerie thing, but I had that irregularity in my portal. Um, so neither here nor there. Let's let's bring it back home. What a crazy election. What a crazy news cycle to be a part of. What a crazy time to be alive and to be American. Um, so we are watching this thing real close. And I want to talk with you guys a little bit about it. Let's start out with the high level in case you're living under a rock. Most people think that Biden's going to be the president. That's what the news is saying anyways. Later in this episode, I'm going to talk about being skeptical of the news, which I used to not be an advocate for, but with how wrong they are horribly wrong they are in this whole cycle. I'm very skeptical of them. So maybe this is good to be skeptical of too, but the overwhelming consensus is that Biden is going to be president. That's what Wall Street's betting on. Uh, that's all the chatter that I see anyways, and, and certainly what the news is reporting. Despite that, there's lots of lawsuits on decks, particularly from the Trump uh, uh, camp. Trump has come out and said that he believes he won directly, and he's going to be challenging the vote counts and looking for recounts and things like this. So lots of lawsuits on deck. Very interesting to follow. If you're into politics, even if you're not digging into the details of this and the debates are very fascinating, and you'll learn a lot about the mess that is the voting system in the United States. I mean, it is pretty ridiculous and archaic how we do this with paper votes, literally being driven around sometimes, being mailed around in other cases, uh, the hand counting of it. And you're seeing countless video service of supposed voter fraud or ballots being lost or, you know, some person who counts ballots getting mad and ripping one up. I saw a video like that earlier. So all sorts of crazy videos surfacing. It's been fascinating to watch. I'm trying not to get too upset about it, but it is a mess if you dig into it. 
elections were called kind of early and in weird ways. Uh, Fox News and the AP are being heavily criticized for calling Arizona in Biden's favor, which would be a huge flip. I think that they hadn't voted since the 90s for a Democratic candidate, president presidential candidate in Arizona. So it going blue was a really big deal and was a big boost for Biden. But apparently we're still counting here in Arizona. It's my my home state. I live in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And apparently they're still counting votes here and it's supposedly still disputed, but most people have called it, or at least the AP and Fox News called it for uh, Biden are getting a lot of criticism for that. So there's lots of criticism about certain states getting called early and certain other ones not. And it's very bizarre. I really think they need a standardized way of counting these ballots real time and in all states. First of all, this prolonged, you know, multiple day election thing is not healthy for anyone. There are so many people mad about this. There are so many people, you know, who are up in arms about this prolonged period, this system of waiting and wondering who the leader is and all the emotions that are tied up in it are really going to hit a boiling point and they need to resolve this. I'm not happy with them having the states decide how they count and when they count uh, ballots, all these different systems it being complicated and opaque. It should be transparent and simple. <laughs> you know, it should be the opposite. It should be transparent and simple and they make it really complicated and really difficult to follow and even more difficult to have faith in. So I'm not very happy about the state of how we count ballots and, and tally up elections and certainly the time it takes. It's totally unfair for certain states to hold up us knowing what happened in an election, in my opinion. So uh, elections were called early and in weird ways I wrote here and states leaning one way or another are seesawing fast. This was really interesting too. Like for a while, you know, there's key swing states that decide elections. And for a while it looked like Wisconsin, Michigan, and, and I'm missing one, but Wisconsin and Michigan were, were both going for Trump at least on the election night, most people said they were leaning heavily red. Now, all of a sudden, they're locked in for uh, Biden. So there's been lots of seesawing and flying back and forth. And this is making people who are really into uh, one side of politics, you know, in either the hardcore Democrat, hardcore left-leaning camp or hardcore Republican and right-leaning camp are really losing their minds because they see that as evidence of like fraud and things like this. And, you know, honestly, it is kind of a dumb thing to go out and tell a bunch of people that this state is, is this way and then suddenly reverse it without any good explanation for what's happened in between. There's this screenshot that's going viral of supposedly like over a hundred thousand votes being found in Michigan that were all for Biden or something like that is the accusation. So there's weird stuff going on with their, their reporting. There needs to be, I think an official government, uh, poll that shows what is actually going on. And I think this is a great place for tech to come in. I mean, the fact that these are, you know, filled in by pen ballots that are then oftentimes hand counted and things like this is just crazy to me. So anyways, I think that, uh, there, there needs to be a better system for vote counting than there is today. I'm not very impressed by it. Um, another interesting thing is the electoral college. You know, they're really looking for these electoral college votes that made me dig into what the electoral college really is. And it's a crazy thing. I really encourage you guys to look up the history on the Electoral College. I was blown away to learn by this, but essentially it was a compromise by the founding fathers that many think was a product of exhaustion rather than conviction. What I mean by that is that it was more so, okay, so they were debating, should it be the popular vote? Should Congress, you know, these are the founding fathers taking a step back. Sorry. So the people are determining how America how American government would function, how elections would work, where, first of all, in the backdrop, there was nothing but despots around the world. You know, there were kings and monarchs and and dictators and, and uh, tyrannical rulings everywhere. So it was kind of groundbreaking what America did in forming a democracy the way we did for a major country. 
Certainly it was, you know, if you guys aren't familiar with American history, it was rebelling against the British monarchy. So this is a bunch of people who left Great Britain, came and, f- and founded America, who didn't want a king anymore. So everyone was kind of skeptical of having this tyrannical rule. And the founding fathers were debating about how to run the democracy. And they were kind of coming up with this on their own, right? I mean, they, they had lots of things we had to amend later and things like this. So it's, it's not like set in stone the way some people say the Constitution is. But this was basically they were debating back and forth. And one camp thought that Congress should get to elect the president. And the other ones were worried about uh, them getting too chummy, you know, that the that, that there wouldn't be enough separation of power and, check and, and the checks and balances they were going for would be muddied if they did that. And I think the other one wanted a popular vote. So they compromised in between with the Electoral College. The Electoral College is that there's an equivalent number of representatives that all get a vote, but they're not the representatives themselves. So it's just like these people who get to vote. Technically, they're not bound by the popular vote in most places. And that's kind of a crazy thing that this is literally just individuals who get to cast the vote on the behalf of the electoral college, quote unquote. And they're like super votes. They, they, it's, it's almost as if the popular vote doesn't have to matter if those certain people decided that they were going to vote a different way. Now, I guess there, there's more complications to that in practice that they could be thrown out and things like this, but still it is a crazy thing the way electoral college works and they're not necessarily bound to vote the way the popular vote is in certain places, which I was really shocked to learn. Um, so let's see, I wrote here that, uh, originally it was largely because of doubt of the intellect or judgment of the popular vote, but now electoral college is sort of expected to vote along the popular vote lines anyways, which I think is one more reason that they should be eliminated. You know, I wrote here that although it's a weird quirk, they're technically not required to vote along the popular vote. And this is a vulnerability that should be eliminated. And I don't know why, you know, with all the, uh, uh, technology and information free flowing to the populace. Now it's hard to say that they were, that were undereducated. Uh, and it's hard to make that argument now, I think, especially compared to like the 1700s or something like this and a democracy to me, I'm, I'm personally a fan of there being just a popular vote. I think that would change the way that elections are done. Like for example, lots of people are against abolishing the electoral college because they say it would hurt the Republicans in particular. So lots of them are against abolishing the electoral college, whereas lots of Democrats tend to be for it because they think that it's going to help their prospects. And this is basically because there's been five presidential elections through our history where a president won the electoral college, but not the popular vote, most of the time being Republicans. Most famously, that happened to Donald Trump and Hillary, right? But then when Donald Trump was criticized for that, he responded and said, no, I would run my election a different way and speak to those voters a different way. And I would have won the popular vote if that was the game to win. I think that's a really good point you would build a basketball team totally different if they abolished the three point line, right? So if you change the rules and the scoring and how to win an election, then they're going to run a different campaign and affect a different result. And I think that if you get rid of that electoral college uh, middle ground, then these quote unquote swing states become so much less important. I mean, now all of a sudden, if you have a, a dissenting opinion in a red state or a dissenting opinion in California, a blue state, and you're a Republican, your vote actually matters. Whereas right now it, it kind of doesn't, which sucks, right? It's a terrible thing to say, but there is a certain reality to that, that if you go and vote and you're a Republican in California, there's no chance you're going to turn the state. Whereas if it's just a popular vote, everybody's opinion matters everywhere, regardless of what city they're in or regardless of what state. I think that makes more sense at this point. And I think it would force candidates to change their policies and certainly their election tactics around that. I think we'd get end up with a better democracy. Uh, I don't necessarily think this would disproportionately hurt Republicans. You know, certainly if you went back and ran the exact same results and just declared a different victor in these previous elections, they would have lost a couple of elections they won. But that doesn't mean that they wouldn't run a different election and get a different result or a different campaign, I should say, and get a different result in the elections. 
So anyways, that's a bit of a, a side note, but the electoral college, after researching it, I'm more of a proponent of getting rid of it than ever before. I encourage you guys to do some reading on it as well and to learn. Um, let's get back on track. The Senate is likely to be held by Republicans. That was a big victory for Republicans because the media and, uh, uh, pollsters and all these people really predicted that they were going to lose the Senate as well as the presidency. And the markets seem to like this. Really the beauty of our system in America, it comes from dissenting opinions, having to compromise. And that's kind of that classic, uh, the best solutions in the middle ground, right? That no extreme is the right solution is another way of putting that. I'm a big believer in that. I think that these extreme opinions aren't necessarily the right ways. And the beauty of America is our checks and balances. You know, that we have the Senate and the House of Representatives and then the judges and then the presidency and all those people have to get, come together and agree to make policy. And because these dissenting opinions have to figure out a way to compromise, we get better outcomes. So I think that's why the markets are voting that it's a positive is because they think that there's going to have to be compromise rather than like just uh, tax plans getting totally repealed or something. They're going to have to compromise on how these different things are done rather than uh, when one party controls the presidency and both houses of Congress, they can just kind of bulldoze through legislation, especially if they have a super majority, which I think the Democrats were kind of thinking they might get, which is crazy that they missed by that much in their predictions. So anyways, uh, the market seemed to like the Senate's going to be held by Republicans uh, what is very apparent is that no one party has a decisive mandate in the current policies. Again, there was this thought about the shy Trump voter, the shy Republican, quote unquote, not responding to pollsters and saying that, oh, yeah, I support this policy because there's so much cancel culture and so much hatred towards particularly people on the right, you know, being labeled racist and things like this for supporting one candidate or another. Um, so apparently that was true, you know, that, that basically everyone thought there would be this huge mandate for uh, Democrats and their policies based off of this election. And they were just wrong. I mean, it, it, this is razor thin. It's very close. And although there's not a very vocal, it, it, by, by what you see in the media, you wouldn't believe that there's as many people who vote red as there are apparently. And that was an interesting part of this election as well. And no matter what party you're in, I think it's worth being very skeptical of the media and especially pollsters at this point. This is something I'm going to really touch on because where am I in all this? I'm really upset by the state of our politics. I've mentioned that in podcasts before. I think there's way too much divisiveness. I think there's way too many hard feelings. And I think there's a loss of common camaraderie. That's a real shame. I mean, no matter what your politics are, we should all be united by being Americans. And we really lost that thread. I mean, we have neighbors at each other's throats, literally family members, you know, so hatred in their hearts because of the political leanings of, of someone else. That's the beauty of this play, of this country. And don't forget, having a different opinion than someone, a dissenting opinion, doesn't mean you should hate that person. <laughs> and, and, and if that's your way of getting your policies enacted or getting your thoughts across, then shame on you. You should, you should pride yourself in persuading people who are on your team to come over to your side, not bullying them into what opinion you think they should hold. And I think that's a, a big part of this revolt against the pollsters is that there's a lot of social intimidation going on for people who hold certain opinions in this country, both far left and far right leaning. And apparently the far right leaning people are very intimidated to come out and say, and say those opinions to the polls, at least compared to the people who are far left. I like to think of myself as pretty central in all this. I've kind of, you know, I bounce around in and agreeing with the different parties on different things. I'm pretty fiscally conservative and socially liberal. I would say is how I brand myself. Um, and I am very disgusted by the lack of unity. I see myself as an American, but well before I'd ever identify with one party or another and all the divisiveness is just really, 
it's really made me upset. I think this divisiveness is really terrible for our joint future. I think even if you perceive your team to be winning in the short term in politics, I think you're losing sight of the fact that this decisiveness is hurting all of us collectively. We're shooting all of ourselves in the collective foot by fighting with one another rather than uniting. And trust me, lots of other powers that be, lots of other foreign countries and things like this are making a lot of ground on America. They're making a lot of progress on eating into uh, trade policies and winning in foreign policy negotiations, stuff like this by our distraction. That if we were more united, we'd be more powerful. Say what you will about China and Russia and places like that. They are very united in, in their direction, you know, that for all their violations and all the ways that I think that they're inferior to the United States, I think they are very united in getting policies done and, and their politicians are very enabled to be act unilaterally and powerfully that way. And I think that's why they've made so much ground on America, despite a difference in productivity or, or a head start that America had economically. Right? So this is really hurting ourselves. This is really shooting ourselves in our collective foot. And I got to tell you, I think this is a good reference back on my compromise episode. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. Maybe share it with a friend. <laughs> share all my podcasts with your friends. In fact, like subscribe and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, so, so they, uh, but no, my compromise episode really does cover this, that I think compromise has become a dirty word and people perceive it as a source of weakness. And I could not disagree with that more. Compromise is a source of power. If you find yourself compromising with a negotiation, a loved one, someone of a different political leaning, and finding common ground, I applaud you. And I see you as a more powerful person than someone who bulldozes their way to supposed victory or supposed uh, dissent or supposed um, agreeance, right? And that's something that I think we need to really learn is that you cannot bully people into political opinions and you can't bully people into holding different, a point of view that you have or something like this. You have to uh, compromise with them. You have to persuade them and we need to value one another and we need to value one another's dissenting opinions. That's going to lead to more equality for everyone. And that's going to lead to more uh, productivity for everyone, I really believe. And I think that's something that's really missing. And this election has underscored that for sure. I'm really upset by the state of our politics. Um, you know, I think, again, go listen to that compromise episode. Realize that losing on your political opinion is a great chance to warm up to this, that if you're on a party that, quote unquote, lost a section of this election, then you can learn a lot about your ability to compromise and a lot about the other person's point of view if you go and get intellectually honest and kind of reflect on it. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is that if you only understand your half of the argument, you barely understand that. And what that's saying is you don't even understand what you're for if you don't understand the other point of view and what their opinion is. And don't forget, even if you like vehemently disagree with, say you're a uh, Republican and you vehemently disagree with uh, Democrats or vice versa, then it still is valuable to listen to these people. And it's very, very uh, condescending or very self-righteous to believe that you're way smarter than these people on the other eye, on the other side of the aisle. And that's the beauty of really powerful politicians throughout history and stuff is they know how to draw compromise. They know how to bring people together and how to unify and to get things done. I think that's the mark of a great politician and a great leader in general. And compromise is not a dirty thing. You can still get yours without grinding other people into the dirt. And that's an important thing to keep top of mind. Another thing I'm going to highlight is I'm totally disgusted by the predictions of pollsters and media ahead of this election. I believe them and I feel totally duped. I believed that this was going to be a sweep, that the uh, Democrats were going to win in a resounding victory. And I feel totally duped by the fact that that did not turn out that way. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, honestly, that's not even necessarily what I wanted politically. And, and I'm still feeling just totally duped by the fact that I believe the media and believe the pollsters, no matter what side of the aisle that you're on, uh, it is very 
important to realize that we need good information. We need a strong media. We need people who are honest in the media and we need people who are unbiased in the media and especially in polls. When did polls get biased and get this wrong? I I really want us to examine what are their motivations for putting out data that ended up being this incorrect. You know, supposedly fringe media are the only voices that got this right. The only voices that said, no, this is going to be a close election or that Trump might win or that they're, the Republicans are going to hold the Senate. That was an unpopular and minority opinion one week ago. Everyone thought that the Republicans and Trump were going to get trounced in this election and they were all wrong. And that's that's really frustrating to me because I think there needs to be accountability for them this time. The, your, your favorite media outlet, every single one of them is full of it. I hate to say it. It's only these alternative ones that are right. I mean, CNN and all these different places like that would have you believe this is a lock. The New York Times, all of them are garbage garbage at predicting these things. They need to be held accountable this time because this is the second time in a row. We gave them a pass in 2016, but they just need to be better. This is nonsense. In the meantime, they deserve to be doubted and checked despite their self-righteousness. You know, they all want to say there is no, um, you know, what does Trump call them? Um, fake news and stuff like this. But it, I think there is, you know, honestly, at this point that the major media is so uh, corrupted to ratings and profitability and things like this, that they don't even see their own biases anymore. And there's no such thing as a, as a major news station that's unbiased, in my opinion, anymore. And I'm disgusted by that. I wish there were a place. And at least I used to be able to listen to like Fox News and MSNBC and realize that the truth was somewhere in between. Now, I just think they're all kind of full of it. It's ridiculous. Um, and they're so far apart and have such different opinions. It's almost useless to listen to both of them anymore. And I've really started in my search for alternative media sources. I used to be a, a big advocate. Don't listen to any one media source. Don't listen to Fox News because they're raving Republicans. Don't listen to MSNBC because they're they're raving Democrats and you know they're far left and far right. But if you listen to both of them, you'd be okay. You can kind of take in both, see how both of them frame the same news story and the same news cycle, and you kind of get some truth in between the two. Uh, I don't even think that's true anymore, really. They're just so extreme that that's becoming largely useless. And I'd love to hear from you guys. I'm shopping for a better source of news than I have today. I don't really have one that I totally trust. And it's a shame because I want to be well-informed. I want to be able to believe when I read an article or something like this. And now I just look at everything so skeptically and things like this make me that much more skeptical. This is the, this is the consequence of them being this biased and them being this wrong. You know, they were hoping for an outcome in an election and broadcasting that as quote unquote polls and quote unquote assured uh, election results. And, and we all start planning financially and otherwise around that, that eventual reality. And it turns out they're just this wrong by this large of a margin. They're useless. And, and I think they should be totally doubted. They deserve every bit of doubt that's out there for them right now and probably more. And I'd encourage you guys to be very skeptical of the news, despite them trying to proclaim themselves as experts and things. They're just not. I mean, look at what... Go no further than looking uh, at week old articles of their predictions for this election and what actually happened. And you'll see how full of it they are. There's no sugarcoating that. And I think that's uh, an important thing to look at in this cycle. And I think it's a sad thing to look at this cycle. I'm in, I'm in the market for new news sources and for new polls because the ones I have aren't that uh, aren't that reliable. Um, another thing about this election, it's been pretty smooth, you know, that the, there weren't big holdups due to coronavirus. Like some people were worried about, there wasn't big disruptions in the flow of counting or there aren't counting votes, but sorry, of, of actual voting. It was a pretty smooth election. There weren't gigantic protests or riots or anything like people feared. So that was good. I thought, and good news on the markets who in the power, who is in power does not historically affect total stock market returns. There's been lots of uh, articles out there lately about how politics don't necessarily, uh, uh, affect, you know, total market returns and that 
people put too much weight and changing their portfolios around based off of who's going to be in office and that you really shouldn't do that. That historically speaking, uh, it doesn't really affect returns. So keep that top of mind, but don't forget that kind of does obfuscate the fact that certain sectors may outperform. So you got to watch for politicians policies. Uh, the biggest impact they have are on like regulators. And oftentimes that's not directly seen, you know, so voting in and empowering regulator, not voting in, but, uh, uh, designating and empowering regulators or lack thereof, depending on who's in power can really impact industries and entrepreneurs. And that's a big thing to keep in mind. I do think that politics and who's in power has a much bigger impact on entrepreneurs than it does on total stock market returns. So if your investing strategy is long-term and you're going to DCA dollar cost average into the total stock market with like uh, the S&P 500 or even like a, a total stock uh, international fund or something like that, then yeah, politics isn't going to affect it too much, at least historically speaking. But or who's in power isn't going to affect it too much, I should say. But for entrepreneurs, lots of opportunities created by who's in office. So again, this is this goes to different sectors. So for example, you know, green energy and being an entrepreneur who's creating new green energy products under Democrats has been a historically better thing. It enabled a lot of subsidies. They got the electric car, you know, electric vehicle industry off the ground. And if you'd seen that as an investor early, you would have made huge returns. Um, whereas if a Democrat's in office, you probably would not want to be inventing innovative widgets for coal miners. You know what I mean? Cause, cause they're anti coal mining and they're going to mitigate that industry and at least close down the opportunity. So, uh, opportunities for entrepreneurs is really determined by who's in power and what their policies and politics are. And that's a big thing to watch. Regulations are a big thing to watch if you're an, an, an entrepreneur and in, in entrepreneurship, money really does tend to pour into sectors that politicians favor. And that really creates opportunities for most, for, for lots of entrepreneurs. I mean, if, if a certain uh, uh, technology or something like this is subsidized by, uh, by uh, an administration, then there's lots of opportunities for entrepreneurs to find ways to make money in there. Subsidies are a big thing for industries. You know, that if your industry is getting government subsidies, either in R&D or in price subsidies or something like this, then that's a huge boost for you. And that, and that creates more opportunity, all things being equal in that sector than other places. And that balance of power can shift based off of who's in office. So that's something to, uh, to watch. But the biggest advice I can give you is stay out of politics. If you're in business, there's nothing to gain for your business, but there's so much to lose. And that's, you know, certainly apparent with like cancel culture that if someone comes out with the wrong political opinion and they get fired or something like this, then, uh, that that's very apparent and something to watch, but also you can alienate a lot of your clients if you take too strong of a stance with politics. And I just don't see a big upside to it. You know, yes, sometimes corporations get away with it. Like famously Chick-fil-A is very conservative and, and got away with some of their founder statements or CEO statements, whoever it was. If you research that, you'll see. And I don't, I don't, I guess it didn't kill them, but I don't, I can't really see an argument where that necessarily helped their business. Right. Uh, and all the boycotts they had to suffer through and things like that. So my overwhelming advice for you entrepreneurs and business people out there is don't get distracted by politics and, and don't voice your opinion too loud, or at least, you know, think twice before you do, or, or think about phrasing in a way that isn't quite as controversial, isn't quite as alienating because you can really stir up a lot of hard feelings with your employees, with your clients, with everyone by, uh, saying the wrong things in that area. And it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for you. I spent lots of time really wrapped up in politics and my political opinions only to learn that I can't affect it at all. You know, that energy ends up being wasted. No one's come along and asked my opinion yet on uh, politics that way, in a way that I get to pick the president unilaterally or change something in Congress or put in place my own law. And, and in truth, no one really has that power, right? So if you're not making a career in politics, then you don't, you get, you can get really distracted and it can detract from you adding value to your business. 
but you probably are not going to get commensurate returns. So it's really important to stay focused, especially when there's increasingly divided states of politics. Um, you know, I had a professor once in college I commented on this. He said, it's important to be in the news and to read the news uh, and to uh, have a, an informed opinion about what the major events are and what's going on in politics. But then that's it. He said, don't go any further than that. Don't invest any extra time or else it's just wasted. And that's really good advice because that extra hour you could spend on your own business can bring you exponential value and growth and extra value for your employees and for your customers. And if you're spending, spending it upset about politics or something like that, then uh, um, you know, that's time wasted rather than money that you're putting in your enterprise and money that you're putting in your pocket. So that's my thoughts today. You know, what a mess of an election. I, I hate the divisiveness in the politics. I hate the state of our media and our polls and how wrong they get these things. And I'm really curious about their biases. I've become more skeptical of them than I ever was before. And I was slow to become that way. You know, I wanted to trust in our media. I wanted to trust in these pollsters and they've really betrayed and lost my trust at this point. And uh, I'd be curious to know what you guys think though. You know, send me a little bit of feedback. Let me know what your opinion is on the state of this election and the state of all the uh, pollsters and things like this. I'd be really curious to know what you guys think. Uh, you can reach me at the Blackwood show at gmail.com or on the Blackwood show at Instagram and do me a favor and share some of these podcasts with your friends. We've gotten a lot of great growth, lots of new listeners, and I really appreciate all of your guys' feedback and support. But if you send my stuff to a couple more people, hopefully I can keep growing the channel and bring you guys more and better content in the future. I am going to be doing uh, vlogs. So I'm going to be doing videos and posting them to YouTube. In the early days, it'll just be the same format, but you'll get to see me. And then hopefully eventually I'll get some video editing on there or at least get to superimpose some charts or some uh, headlines I'm talking about so you guys can see them real time uh, on, on the channel rather than just having to listen to my droning voice on podcasts. I don't know though. I will say, you know, to pat myself on the back, you guys have given me a lot of compliments about my voice and my tenor and pacing and stuff. And I really appreciate those kind words. It's a little nerve wracking to put yourself out there on a podcast and especially a format like this, because I do an unedited shot. Like we're coming up on 30 minutes for this podcast and I don't edit these. You know, I don't go and cut back, cut out what I said. And if I misspeak or something like that, it's just kind of in there. I want it to feel like kind of like a fireside chat type of thing. Like we're hanging out, having a drink and talking about these things. So I don't want it to feel heavily edited or heavily redacted. I want it to feel kind of natural. And so far that's what I've done, but it is kind of nerve wracking, honestly, to, to put yourself out there to worry about saying the wrong thing or uh, stepping on your own or putting your foot in your mouth. <laughs> I go to look for the statement right there and I do it right. But putting your foot in your mouth and, and misspeaking or something like that. So it really does help that you guys have been so positive. I really am thankful for you guys as fans and thankful for all your contributions and all your feedback anyways i know there's tons of ways to entertain yourself so thank you for taking the time to listen to little old me and i will talk at y'all soon